Amen. The Gospel according to Luke, the chapter 7, and I want to draw your attention this evening to the verses we read together, but perhaps just to refresh your mind, we could read the verse 37. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, and when she knew that Jesus sat and meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. In this chapter, we are brought face to face with the very depths of depravity. A young woman forsaking the guide of her youth, she earned the title sinner. In fact, she was notorious for her sin. Entering into the world of immorality, she sold her body for money. Such was the depths of her shame that in comparison with the Pharisees, whom the Lord described in verse 41 as a 50 pence sinner, she was a 500 pence sinner. She was 10 times worse than those whom the Lord had earlier described as whited sepulchers filled with dead men's stinking bones. And yet despite her corruption, the phrase she knew that Jesus sat at meat implies that she had been searching for him. Coming to the house of Simon, the custom of the day demanding that the door be left open. She though uninvited entered in. Coming to the place where the Savior lay, she quickly fell down at his feet. And seeking him, she not only found him, but despite Simon's protest, she found his favor. And more than that, she found his forgiveness. Unlike those around him, the the Lord did not reject her, but despite her background, we find that he received her. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is never an elusive guest. When he is sought, he will always be found. And he's speaking just a few hours earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord said in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. And knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And in these words, there is a responsibility, a responsibility to ask, to seek, and to knock. But more than that, there is a reassurance. He said, ye shall find. You see, where the Lord Jesus Christ has sought, and he has sought earnestly with all of the heart, he will be found. Rather than turning away from you, he will turn towards you. Horatius Bonner was born in Edinburgh way back in 1808. He was one of the founding members of the Free Church of Scotland. And you know, as well as singing the Psalms, he wrote many hymns. On one occasion, taking up his pen, he wrote, I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. You see, tonight, if you go out into society, you will find individuals, individuals who in their time of desperation and in their time of need, they came to friends and they came to society. But because of their past or because of transgressions in their life, society and friends wanted nothing to do with them. But you know, tonight, there's one thing that you will never find. You will never find a man, a woman, or boy, or girl who sought the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart and who were disappointed. 
You see, tonight, if only you seek the Lord, you will find in him a resting place. This woman, despite her background, she found a welcome, a welcome at the Savior's feet. And so I want tonight simply to draw your attention to this woman. I want you to notice firstly the contrition she expressed. Unlike Simon who failed to wash the Savior's feet, this woman fell down at them, feeling the depths of her shame and washing them with her tears. You notice here that there was a surrendering of her pride, having no cloth to wipe his feet. We read in verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. In the east guests coming to the table, they tended to recline rather than sit. In so doing, they always placed their feet behind them. And as such, this woman coming to the feet of the Savior, she came in behind him. Such was the depths of her shame that she felt that she could not look him directly in the face. And washing his feet and then drying them, she used her hair rather than a towel. When we go forward into 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we discover that a woman's hair is her glory. And in the East, to let down your hair in public was a sign of public humiliation. And as such, in coming behind the Savior and drying his, his tears with her hair, she was here openly confessing her sinfulness. She was acknowledging her unworthiness. You see, in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, there must be a casting off of our pride, a falling down before and an acknowledging of our unworthiness. Indeed, Eliaph is seeking to answer Job's protests of innocence and to direct him to that fountain of uncleanness. He said in Job 22 verse 29, when men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. While Eliaphas had misdiagnosed Job's problem, nevertheless, the advice here he was giving was sound advice. And he was indicating that if only the sinner came before Christ, lowered themselves in the dust, acknowledging their guilt, that they would be forgiven. You see, before there can be a lifting up of your soul, there must firstly be a lowering down of your soul, an acknowledging of your sin and your shame. A minister many, many years ago was interviewing one of his elders, and during the conversation he asked the elder if he was a Christian. As you can imagine, the man was insulted and asserting that he most definitely was a Christian. The minister then said, well, was there a time when you were a sinner and you sought Christ for salvation? And the man protesting that he was never a sinner, the minister said, then you're not a Christian because Christ came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. 
And maybe, my friend, in the past you have tried to excuse your sin. Perhaps you've gone a step farther and you have tried to hide your sin. Or perhaps you have done what many people do today. They compare themselves with the worst in society. And perhaps tonight, even as you sit in this meeting, you're looking at this woman and you're saying, well, I'm much better than her. In comparison to her, I'm not too bad of a person. But my friends, such thinking never leads to pardon, but it leads to pride. You see, this evening, if you're ever to know the grace of God, if you're ever to know your sins, which are many, forgiven, there must be this coming, this falling down behind Christ, that acknowledging you've broken his law, you've transgressed his commandments. And that before him you've sinned and that you've broken his law in so many ways. Not only was there a surrendering of her pride, but you notice there was a surrendering of her perfume. Falling behind the Lord, we read in verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. The word brought here is a deeper meaning than that which immediately catches the eye being rendered elsewhere ten times as received, it seems that this box of ointment had been given to her as a consequence of her evil and her immoral trade, as well as being the spoils of sin. Its rich and fragrant odors would have been used to draw custom to her. And in pouring it out, she was now openly acknowledging that she no longer needed it. In other words, she was now finished. She was finished with her immoral life. She was finished with her life of sin. You see, my friend, if there is to be conversion, contrition uh, must be accompanied by conviction as well as sorrowing over your sin, there must be that willingness in your heart to separate from your sin. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the home of Zacchaeus, we read in Luke chapter 19 in the verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And giving back that which he had taken illegally several times over, he was here not merely confessing his sin, but he was saying, I'm finished. I'm finished with that crooked life of sin. And seeing his repentance, the Lord said, This day salvation is come to thy house. He was forgiven. You see, as well as acknowledging your sin, there must be an abhorring of your sin, a loathing, and more than that, a rising up and a leaving of it. Describing repentance, the writer said, "'Tis not enough to say, "'I'm sorry and repent.'" 
and then go on from day to day just as I always went. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we in earnest grieve by doing them no more. You see, as well as acknowledging your sin, there must be that willingness in your heart to rise up and to leave your sin. You see, tonight, it's not enough to weep over your sin or like this woman to bring gifts on to the Lord. But you need to turn. You need to turn from your sin. I wonder tonight, is that what's stopping you coming to the Savior? Is it the love of some sin? The love of some habit in your life? There are those out there tonight and they say, Preacher, I'd love to go to heaven. I'd love to know that my sins have been dealt with, but they're not willing to give up their sin. But tonight, if you're going to know forgiveness like this woman, there must not only be a falling at his feet and acknowledging of your guilt, but a willingness in your heart to turn, to turn from those sins that grieve him, to turn from those sins that stir his anger. More than that, you notice here that there was also a surrendering of her person coming with a warm and genuine heart. We read in verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet. In ancient times, the kissing off the feet was an expressive act. Samuel anointing David with a vial of oil. He then kissed him. And by so doing, he was publicly signifying that David, rather than Saul, was going to be his king. And as such, this woman, in kissing the Savior's feet, she was here surrendering herself to his government. She was making him her king. She was making him her Lord. You see, my friend, before there can be reconciliation, there must be resignation. There must be not only a receiving of Christ, but a resigning of ourselves to Christ. Indeed, Peter's setting forth the way of salvation. He said in Acts chapter 2 and the verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They were to call upon him as the Lord. This title is given to the Savior no less than 747 times in the pages of the New Testament. It is is rendered uh, 11 times as master. In other words, that they were going to be saved, they need to call upon him, but they needed to call upon him as their master, bowing before his authority. You see, Christ is not only Jesus, but he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And before you can know him as Jesus or Savior, you need to recognize him as Lord and Master. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, paraphrasing Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, 
You cannot have me for a savior if you don't accept me for a lawgiver and commander. If you will not do as I bid, neither shall you find rest for your souls. You see, there must be a yielding of ourselves to his government. Many today, and they want to know heaven, they want to know God's peace, but they don't want to know God's word. They don't want to live according to God's law. But my friend, if you're to be forgiven, then like this woman, you need to come. You need to fall at his feet, recognizing you've broken his law. You need to bow before his authority, willing to make him your Lord, your master, and your king. Oh, tonight I wonder, are you ready to do that? Have you been carrying the burden of sin? Do you say, preacher, tonight it's a heavy burden? Then, my friend, like this woman, come and fall at the feet of the Savior. But I think not only do we notice here the contrition she expressed, but I want you to notice, secondly, the commendation she enjoyed, repenting. The tears, or as Luther described it, heart water began to run down her cheeks, seeing not only her contrition, contrition, but her faith. The Lord then commended her. You notice here concerning her faith that it was saving. The floods of guilt passing over her soul, we read in verse 50. And he, that is the Lord, said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Coming to this feast, this woman, unlike Simon, had not forgotten the customary kiss in anointing the Savior with oil. She had laid all that she had down at his feet. Indeed, gazing into her heart, the Lord said there in verse 47, she was forgiven for she loved much lest any would misunderstand these words. The word for here could equally be rendered therefore. And as such it could be read, forgiven therefore she loved much. And as such we discover here that this woman was forgiven not because she loved much, but rather being forgiven. Then she loved much. Instead, verse 50 makes it clear that she was forgiven because of her faith. You see, tonight without faith, there can be no forgiveness. There must be a believing or a resting on Christ. Indeed, the blind man, hearing the Savior approaching, he began to cry louder and louder and louder, Thou, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord Jesus intervening and opening his eyes, we read in Luke 18, verse 42. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. This man coming to the Lord, he had been earnest in his prayer, he had been loud in his prayer, but it wasn't his prayer that saved him. It was his faith. You see, it is he that believeth, not he that is baptized, that is saved. Salvation is through faith in Christ and through faith alone in Him. Can I ask you a question tonight? 
Now, which comes first, lightning or thunder? You say, well, preacher, that's a pretty easy question. The lightning comes and then the thunder. One is the product of the other. In fact, if there is no lightning, then there will be no thunder. And so it is in salvation. Faith comes first and then works. You see, my friend, if you're to be forgiven, there must, like this woman, be a looking away from yourself, a looking away from the church, a looking away from your own works, and a looking away, a looking away to Christ and to Christ alone. And I wonder tonight, what is it that you're resting on? If death came to you this evening and you were standing before the judgment throne and you were asked, what is your hope for entering into heaven? My friend, what would it be? Would it be your works? Or would it be faith in Christ's atoning work upon the cross? You see, if you're to be saved this evening, then like this woman, you need to come. You need to cast aside your own devices, your own trusts. And you need to look away. And you need to look away to Christ and to Christ alone. But our faith, it was not only saving, but you notice here, it was stirring. Faith drew dawning upon her darkened soul, we read in verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, she immediately rose up. And although she knew that Simon would not welcome her into his home, yet she was not deterred. Pushing through the door, she making her way behind the Savior. She washed his feet with her tears. You see, this woman was not content just to hear, but she came. She came to the Savior. Saving, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. And you notice here that he uses the term cometh and believeth interchangeably. You see, believing is coming. Coming to Christ. Faith is not merely a believing on Christ. It is a receiving of Christ. It is a coming and an embracing him. It's one thing for a doctor to tell you Am I that he can heal you? It's another thing for you to believe that he can heal you. And it most certainly is another thing for for you to lay yourself upon that trolley and to let the doctor cut you open and perform an operation upon you. You see, if you're to be saved this evening, it's not enough to believe that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again and that he is mighty to save but like that patient, you must place yourself in his hand. Real faith does not merely take the bottle of medicine down from the cupboard and read the instructions. Real faith takes off the top of the bottle and drinks it down. 
Maybe you say, preacher, tonight, but I do believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he went to the cross. I believe that he shed his blood and he died in my guilty place instead. I want to tell you, my friend, the devil believes that. But the devil's not saved. And the devil's not going to heaven. It's not enough to believe in the existence of God. It's not enough to believe even that he is able and that he is willing to save you. But you need to come to him. You need to trust him. You need to throw yourself wholly upon him. And I wonder, my friend, have you done that? Have you ever done that? If I was to ask tonight, what are are you depending upon? Can you say, I came to Christ? It not only was stirring, but it was single. Look at verse 38. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet. You notice here the word his being repeated again and again. She pushing by the Pharisees. She came. She came to Christ. Her tears, her perfume, her love. It was for him. And for him alone. And you see tonight, if you're to be saved, it's not to the church, but it is to Christ. You need to come. He alone can save you. Can you imagine a child in a burning building? She's on the second story. The people down on the pavement hearing her cry, seeing her at the window. They, they get a blanket. They stretch it out. They lift their voices and they cry, Jump, my jump, and we will catch you. However, while she believes, they will catch her. Yet, yet as, as long as she holds to the curtains, she will never be saved. And you see, my friend, if you're going to be saved this evening, you've got to let go of every other trust. Salvation is not by faith plus our works or by your faith and something else. It is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And if you're to be saved like this woman, you need to come to his feet. You need to come rest realizing there is no other hope. And look only, look only to Jesus Christ. Oh, I trust tonight if you're not saved that you will not die, but tonight that you'll come, come to his feet. And my Rest only upon him. Not only the commendation, but I want you to notice lastly, there is the cleansing she experienced. Falling at his feet, this bad woman, in a moment of time, became a blessed woman. Forgiving her, notice here the pledge she received. Look at verse 48. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. She loving much the Lord then assured her that her sins, although they were very, very many, they were forgiven. And just in case she couldn't grasp that truth, he then added, verse 50, thy faith hath saved thee. 
And he coming to this woman, he assured her twice over that she had been forgiven. You see, redeeming the soul, the Lord does not leave that soul in a state of doubt. Coming alongside, he by his word, he assures that soul. And the more an individual loves, and the more an individual labors after conversion, the greater that assurance becomes. My friend, there's no greater thing in this world than to know that it is well with your soul. There's no greater thing to stand and stare death in the face, knowing that while death may be unpleasant, it being the last enemy, it will be defeated, and you will go to be with Christ, which is far better. And I wonder tonight, do you have that assurance? Could you say, preacher, it doesn't matter what comes tomorrow. If I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I go to be with Christ. Have you that assurance? If you come tonight, he'll only save you. He'll assure you. And the more you love him, the greater that assurance will come. Not only the pledge, but notice the protection she received. Verse 40, and Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. The church of Rome wrongly insists that this woman was Mary Magdalene. But you notice here that her name is not recorded. It is hidden in order to shield her from farther shame and condemnation. Again, Simon jumping in and attacking this newly converted woman. We find the Lord immediately coming to her defense. You see, whom Christ delivers, he defends. He builds around them walls of fire and steel to protect them. Maybe you say, preacher, tonight I'd love to be saved. I've lived a life that was wrong, not maybe as bad as this woman, but I've lived a life that my was not pleasing to God. But if I could see him tonight, the devil would attack me. My friends, and when I go to work tomorrow, would laugh at me. I'm pretty sure they may. But you'll have a defender. The Lord will be your shield. The Lord will be your protection. Then notice lastly the peace she received. Look at verse 38. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. The word began implies that her tears were not continuous. And drying her tears, he then told her in verse 50 to go, or more literally, to go into peace. You see, my friend, at the cross, at the feet of Jesus, there is peace. Peace with God. And more than that, the peace of God. And if only you come to him this evening, my, that peace that passeth all understanding will fill your heart. You'll know that you have peace with God. And you can know the peace of God. Someone said, all men desire peace, but very few desire those things 
that make for peace. And if you're to find the peace that this woman found, then, my friend, you need to come to the feet of the Savior. Maybe you feel your guilt tonight. Maybe you feel like this woman that you couldn't look him in the face. Then fall behind him. Fall at his feet. Acknowledge your sin. Look away from yourself and look away, my, only to Christ. And I tell you, my friend, there, there you'll find forgiveness. There you'll find peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. Peace that doesn't take away the storms, but peace that enables us to smile in the storms. And if you're not saved tonight, then I urge you this evening, I urge you to come to the feet of Christ because, my friend, there, there is forgiveness. There is peace. There is hope that the world can never give you. Like this woman, fall to his feet even this night. Amen. We're going to close our service by singing together the words of the hymn 288, a hymn of invitation. I am coming to the cross. I am poor and weak and blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall full salvation find. The hymn 288 will stand while we sing this closing hymn.